It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz from the Adam Ritz Show, and we are on campus today in San Diego at the AFLV National Conference, and we are broadcasting in front of this live studio audience. All right. Thank you so much for that warm welcome. We are here to honor the uh, students of the West Coast of uh, the United States of America for their philanthropy, their service projects, all the hard work they do in their uh, campus towns and across the country to help raise awareness and funding for their charities of choice. And we're going to honor two students here with us right now. We have Wesley with us. Hi, Wesley. How are you? I am doing great. How are you? Wonderful. And what is your campus? I go to Arizona State University. Arizona State University. And you are representing what uh, chapter? Delta Zeta. Delta Zeta, all right. And uh, brag a little bit about your last service project. Uh, we held a service project in February over Valentine's Day weekend. It's our national um, philanthropy, and it's Delta Zeta Duke Out. We hold it every year um, on our campus, and we've won awards for the past two years as the most funded for our campus. We raised $31,000 for Delta Zeta Foundation, Speech and Hearing, um, and the Painted Turtle Camp in California. $31,000, that is awesome. Unbelievable. And it's a duke it out. I'm going to assume it's a, like a boxing match, or what is it? Actually, it's a for a full week, we do penny awards with all fraternities and other organizations that want to contribute on campus. That Friday, we do a pancake dinner. And then the following Saturday, all the fraternities participate in a tug-of-war and a football tournament. Tug-of-war, football. You had me at pancakes, I'll be honest with you. All right, Wesley, thank you so much. And let's bring in Nate now. Uh, hi, Nate. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you, Adam. What is your campus? Uh, the University of Idaho. University of Idaho. Okay. And what is your chapter? I'm a beta, beta, theta, pi. Beta, theta, pi. And brag a little about, about your last uh, community service project. Well, the one I'd like to highlight for you is one that we did uh, as our IFC and our Panhellenic. And we call it the Office Invader. And what the Office Invader was, we had uh, one of the big blow-up uh, kind of stick figures. And you pay to put it in like a professor's office or someone else's office. Uh, and then they have to pay to either get it out or they can send it to someone else. You're talking about the thing that blows up. It's like Carlotts use it to grab attention and cause wrecks when you're driving down the highway. You used it to put in professors' offices. They had to pay to get it out of the office. Exactly. And how much money was raised? You know, it's uh, we're actually going through right now. So I okay. can't give you a total, but it started uh, this last Monday. And the uh, charity it benefits? Is? Uh, Make-A-Wish Idaho. And, uh, yeah, Make-A-Wish Idaho. So we're benefiting a local uh, kid. His name's Chase. Excellent. So prayers for Chase and the Make-A-Wish Foundation in Idaho. Nate, we can't thank you enough. Wesley, also thanks for coming on the show. Everybody here in San Diego at the AFLV conference, give yourselves one last round of applause. Thank you so much for hosting the Adam Ritz Show. Hi guys, thank you. Yeah, thank you. The Adam Ritz Show. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Rolling along in Memphis, Tennessee on the campus of the University of Memphis with the Memphis Tigers head football coach. This is Justin Fuente. Hi Justin, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm uh, doing great. And I love your. I love this campus. I love what you've done. I've loved. I love what you've done with the place. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's a new attitude here. You've got a year under your belt as head coach. Uh, uh, we're our, we're inside the team meeting room right now, which looks like an NFL facility. I mean, this place is top notch. So tell us a, real quick about 
uh, I guess, your initiatives. When you took over the job, what, what are some of the focuses? I see your four pillars of leadership, possibly. Tell us about what you do here with the Memphis Tigers football team. Well, we took over a situation that hadn't been very good, and uh, we felt like we, we really needed to uh, hammer home some very f- key fundamental points. We didn't feel like uh, giving the kids a list of 25 things and trying to emphasize all those things was was really what we wanted to do. So we introduced kind of the four pillars of our program, and we even kind of cut it down further than that. And really emphasize personal accountability, which is one of the one of the, the pillars of, of what we're trying to get across to our kids. And along with that, we kind of established a leadership council. We felt like it was important that we try and facilitate some leadership. We knew, uh, you know, we had kind of a young group that were going to follow something. We wanted them to follow uh, a group of guys that were going in the right direction. And we also wanted it to be a a council that, that got rewards, that got to do cool things or got access to to neat and different stuff. So, um, you know, we've put together this council council of 10 or 12 guys that, uh, you know, they've, they've got kind of special locker recognitions. Their, their, their color, their, their workout clothes are different colors. They have, uh, their own lounge where they can go in and watch TV and hang out together. So we've, we've rewarded them and then we've expected there, we expect them to kind of carry out and live up to those expectations. So it's okay. been kind of, kind of fun groundwork to lay. So I, earlier today I was in the weight room and I saw a bunch of your players working out. I did see some of those guys with black T-shirts on. Uh, and they're members of your leadership council, and they get some special perks. So i got to believe that some of the guys that don't have black T-shirts on, they want that black T-shirt. Well, that's the goal. And, you know, we try and hold those guys in black T-shirts kind of up to – uh, another level and and try and make you know kind of encourage those other guys uh, to 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 attain that level you know I've been places where we had a leadership council but all they did was administer discipline you know you, the coach met with them whenever somebody got in trouble and you talked about what to do with it and I wanted it to be more than that I wanted it to be a symbol uh, that we could hold up in front of guys that that we gave them access to the media that they were the kind of the forefront of our program as we as we built this thing from the ground up. Our guest is Justin Fuente, the head football coach at the University of Memphis, and your four pillars. Now, am I allowed to mention them, or is this a closed-door meeting? No. Can we talk about these four <laughs> pillars? Because, you know, and I understand a football team is uh, it's a family, and it's tight-knit, and what's said in the locker room, we want to keep it in the locker room. That's where a lot of people get in trouble with the media when they let some sure. of those secrets out. So I don't want to let the cat out of the bag about your four pillars unless that's okay, but one of them jumps off the page at me. Can I talk about it? Sure, absolutely. Uh, this is a social awareness radio show. We mm-hmm. talk about social awareness issues like bullying and hazing uh, and a lot of uh, Facebook and Twitter responsibility. And your four uh, pillars here that I can read right off the wall in your team meeting room are uh, competitive excellence, personal accountability, which you've said is is really what it all boils down to, personal accountability, academic integrity, and then this one right here, social responsibility. So as a social awareness radio host, i got to pinpoint this one, social responsibility. Tell us about that. Well, we feel like that we have a platform here to influence other people's behavior. And, uh, you know, I think it's important that our guys – recognize that we have a social responsibility that comes with playing Division One football. Uh, I think it's also important that our coaches realize that too. So in turn, we try and flip our kids right back around and put them out in the community, put them in junior highs, put them in elementary schools. So, uh, you know, they can serve as an example of what can be accomplished through uh, the old uh, hard work and discipline and a good attitude uh, will, will yield results. So 
Uh, we've tried to, to make that a, a pillar of what we're trying to accomplish in, in the Memphis area. Now, I didn't see uh, bench press on your pillars. Well, that comes with competitive excellence. <laughs> <laughs> that, within competitive excellence, now you get to talking about uh, bigger, faster, stronger, mentally tough, okay. those sorts of things. So that Because, uh, you know, everybody thinks, you know, the, the four pillars are important and they are what we talk about. But usually somebody will say, well, what about winning ball games?" And, you know, our deal is usually when, when we've got all four of those going and humming in the right direction, then those wins take care of themselves. All right. Social awareness. We're talking leadership and accountability with head coach at Memphis football. It is Justin Fuente. And before I let you go, I want to talk about your age. Pretty young guy. I don't know how old you are, but I can guess you're in your low mid to low 30s. Uh, how does that help or connect you to these student athletes? Well, I am. I'm 36 years old. Um, I'm much grayer than than I am age-wise. I guess I'm pretty gray for a 36-year-old. But um, you know, I you know it wasn't that long ago that I was sitting in that chair, and uh, you know I think that helps relate just a little bit. Um, you know, I think they understand that that uh, you know wasn't that long ago that, that I was facing some of the same issues from day-to-day activities to, to uh, you know, social pressures and so on and so forth that, that they're facing. Um, you know, and then also we've sprinkled in some older guys on our staff to make sure we have some, a little bit of that uh, old wily veteran uh, guy with sage advice that you can go to. But, yeah. um, you know, I like to think it helps a little bit. That's great. Okay. Well, uh, your home games are played in the Liberty Bowl. And uh, before I let you go, I got to ask, uh, will you let me call up a third down play? This uh, year in the home opener. So you you want to <laughs> chuck it? We can chuck it. If you want to run it, we can run it. That's fine with me. We're gonna we're gonna pick up the tempo a little bit this year. So we'll uh, you better call it fast. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's head coach Justin Fuente with Memphis Football. Thank you so much for joining us, Coach Adam. I appreciate you coming out here. Thank you. The Adam Ritz Show, a reality show for your radio. Thanks again for listening to the show. I'm Adam Ritz. It is at Adam Ritz on Twitter. I wanted to highlight a very tragic story that happened in. California this week concerning uh, teenagers, technology, earbuds, and not paying attention to your surroundings. A distracted teen wearing her earbuds was hit and killed by an Amtrak train as she was walking along the train tracks, talking on her cell phone, uh, arguing with her father on her cell phone with her earbuds in, didn't notice the train that hit her and killed her. Brittany Silva, 18 years old, was going to go to college, tragically struck down by the locomotive as she walked on the tracks near her home in San Leandro, California. It happened uh, Monday of this, of this week. An onlooker was reportedly uh, trying to warn her. A witness was there yelling at her. She couldn't hear him uh, because of the earbuds in her ears and the technology, the phone in her hand. Uh, It's a great reminder uh, for all of us to be aware of our surroundings, especially when we have that device in our hand, whether we're texting, uh, if you're walking down the street, pay attention. Who's around you? Who's near you? What is near you? Are you about ready to walk off a cliff? How loud are your earbuds? The mother of this case, uh, it's a tragic story. She was uh, very emotional, obviously emotional. The news reports out of California. Her advice was no matter where you go, if you have your earbuds in, keep one earbud out so you can always hear what's going on in your surroundings, so you can keep yourself safe. Live and learn. 
Be safe, make great decisions, especially when technology is involved. A friendly PSA reminder on uh, decisions and surroundings and knowing your environment and technology from The Adam Rich Show. Get to know Adam at adamrich.com. Get to know the radio show at adamrichshow.com. Coming to you from Miami, Florida at Sun Life Stadium. We're in the bowels of Sun Life Stadium. I don't even know what. This looks like a batting cage I'm standing in with our special guest, former Miami Hurricane, former NFL star, and former, uh, or I guess current, you, you never lose this title, Super Bowl champion, yes, yes, yes. Kip Vickers is joining us. Hi, Kip. How you doing, sir? How you doing? I'm great. Thank you for joining us. And what year did you win your Super Bowl? It was 2000 with Baltimore Ravens. Um, we, we beat up on a, a pretty good Giants team in Tampa. So it was, it was an awesome opportunity to, uh, to actually come home because I'm from Central Florida uh, and, and win the Super Bowl. That was, that was pretty cool. Now, what uh, maybe that year? Well, first of all, I, gotta, I have a little connection with your Super Bowl team, uh, Corey Harris. Yes. was on your team. And he's yes. from Indianapolis. He yes. played at Ben Davis High School. Mm-hmm. I actually played in all, uh, the All-Star game with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of us won a Super Bowl. One of us didn't. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, how, do you keep in touch with these guys? Um, I, I, I try to. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think once you leave, it's kind of difficult at times because, you know, everybody goes everywhere. Um, you know, but there are guys I run into, you know, events like this. Um, you know, when you come to a game or something like that, you might run into some guys. But uh, I try to keep up, keep up with a couple guys. Um, right now, I've been reunited with a, a bunch of, you know, the old Hurricane players. Uh, they do a really good job here of, um, you know, contacting each other and keeping keeping up. But I think it's hard when you have different teams. You know, um, you have Baltimore, you know, Baltimore, you have Indianapolis, you know. So it's a little difficult, but I try, you know. So that Super Bowl was 2000, so I'm guessing in 2015 we'll have a big 15-year celebration at one of the Ravens games, and they'll bring the whole team back, and you'll go out at halftime and wave to the crowd and all that? I really hope so. I really hope so. Actually, they had, um, what was it? Um, I'm going to say they had a reunion um, not too long ago. A friend of mine, um, um, uh, Spencer Falau, he put together a reunion. um, more than a few years ago now, but um, and that was really cool. A lot of the guys came back. Trent came back. Ray was there. Um, well, he was still there. Um, so it was it was that was really cool. I hope they do that again. That would be really cool. Well, you mentioned you played for the Colts as well. Yes. I think the Redskins. You said yes. Uh, actually, you know when they did the reunion uh, in Baltimore, they had the uh, a lot of the old Baltimore Colts. Um, come to that reunion too. So it was it, it was really cool. It was really cool. Kip Vickers is our guest, and uh, we're at Sun Life Stadium in Miami uh, for the All Pro Dad Father yes. and Kid Experience. Now you're here uh, not just as a, a former player, but uh, I'm assuming as a as a current father. You've yes. got the All Pro Dad shirt on. Tell us how you got involved with All Pro Dad. Um, it was an organization um, founded by Tony Dungy, and um, you know I, I'd been hearing about it, that kind of thing. Uh, made a phone call. Uh, I think. Um, I think it was in, when I was in Baltimore, um, Rod Harris, uh, he was the chaplain there. Um, and I think a bunch of the guys got involved, um, kind of stuck with it. Uh, I, I really enjoy and appreciate what they, what they represent, um, being a father, being a parent. Um, I have, I was adopted and, you know, I know what my father meant to me, um, I didn't appreciate it when I was younger, like most kids, but uh, as I got older and became a man, 
you know, I realized what value he provided for me in my life. And, you know, he passed away when I was a sophomore in college. But, um, you know, looking back, um, I wouldn't trade it for the world, you know. And to be able to, you know, I won a Super Bowl, came home. My mom was around, but my dad wasn't. To have been able to share that with him would have been an awesome experience. Um, but I wasn't. But, you know, now I have the opportunity to be a father to my children, um, to be in their lives, to take my responsibility as a parent very seriously. And, and I do. Um, and, you know, there's no perfection in it, but, you know, my heart is to do what's right and to, to help them as much as I can. So I think uh, all pro dads, they represent that kind of, you know, desire, not perfection, but the desire to be the best parent that you can be. That's fantastic. That's great to hear. Uh, I'm sorry about your dad uh, passing. And um, when you're out at events like this, I noticed uh, people coming up to you. you you're, you're a celebrity. I mean, people still love you. They want to see those Super Bowl rings. Uh, you've got a couple bull rings on, I think. Uh, you're big time down here, my brother. Um, big time, I don't know. There's a lot of big time down here. I don't think I'm in that circle. But, you know, I, I think they appreciate um, you know, the sacrifice and what it takes to, to win and, and be a champion and also be a parent. You know? Well, that's the great thing is that uh, with that celebrity, people mm-hmm. want to take pictures with you. Yes. There's almost an instant credibility at an event like this where they'll listen to you and what you have to say about being a great father. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it, it's awesome to have a platform. Um, and with that platform, you need something to say. And I think with, you know, conjunction, being... Uh, joined with uh, all pro dads, it definitely, you know, the importance of being a father, you know, just coming here, you know, it represents that. You know, I, it's said without saying it, you know, being a father is important. And I think I try to go out every day and, and try to be that for my children, you know. So um, I know the value. I know the value um, looking back in my life. And I just, I encourage people, I encourage men to be that, you know, be that father, to be that dad to for their children. It's it's needed. It's needed. Kip Vickers is our guest, um, a great role model with All Pro Dad and being a great father. And I've got to give you um, some props as well for being a great role model with physical fitness. You were an offensive lineman in the NFL. Uh, people, we've seen the ESPN 30 for 30 on the offensive line and uh, HBO Real Sports about how these guys on the offensive line in their retirement gain an extra 100 pounds, their heart, their heart problems, uh, there's health issues, their knees give out because of the weight. Mm-hmm. You've gone the other direction. You were an offensive lineman, and you look like you're in the best shape of, uh, of any linebacker's life. I mean, is physical fitness, um, I guess, part of your life that you obviously teach your kids? Do you share it with other people? I mean, not just being a great dad, but physical fitness and eating healthy and all that. I can't believe you were an offensive lineman. Um, at, at times, I can't either. Um, it's just <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's been something... Um, you know, you, you learn how to eat. You learn how to be healthy. I think, you know, the longer you're in the league, it becomes important. And when you leave out, um, there's just, you know, so many different things, different directions you can go. And um, I, I was. I, I did get bigger. I was a lot bigger than I am. I mean, just, real, what was your, just give our listeners some perspective. What was your playing weight, and what do you weigh now? Um, my playing weight was, I think, the heaviest I was, like, 320. I, I, that was like the absolute heaviest. I think I played on average around three ten. You know, uh-huh. um, right now I may be like two 
50, something like that. Um, but um, and I mean, it's it, it's distributed. This is not a big giant gut 250. This is big shoulders, you know, big legs, muscular man, still a big football neck. This is not beer gut 250. This is healthy 250. I'm amazed you were an offense. I when I was when I met you earlier, I thought, oh, that guy must have been a linebacker. I, I, I think also it goes back to you know my father died when he was younger. You know, he didn't take care of himself. Um, he sacrificed himself, worked hard every day. And, you know, he took care of my mom and, you know, anything she needed, whatever, doctor, this and that. But he never went for himself. He never did those things to take care of himself. And, you know, like I said, when I look back at that Super Bowl, to have had him there, you know, wishing that he would have taken care of himself. So I think as a parent, as a father, you know, I had to take a step to, to ensure that, my best opportunity to be there for my children when they got older and that kind of thing. So I, I take this thing very seriously. You know, um, I don't know any 300-pound, 80-year-old men, and I'm not arrogant enough to think I'm going to be the first. So, you know, <laughs> I, just, I just don't. So, and, and that's a part of it. You know, you, you learn how to eat in the league, and you, you know what to do. It's just when you leave, you know, there's, you know, there's this – you eat, you know, yeah. you eat, you kind of, you can't replicate the activity that you had in the league. So it becomes difficult, but um, it's important. Though. Well, yeah, you know, while you're playing, you're, you're working eight hours a day, burning calories, you retire, you're sitting on the couch. So that, that weight can go the other way. Well, uh, the party continues at Sun Life Stadium. We're here at the all pro dad, father and kid experience, lucky enough to be hanging out with Kip Vickers, uh, former Miami Hurricane, former NFL player with uh, the Colts, the Redskins, the Ravens, won a Super Bowl in 2000 with the Ravens. And it's been a pleasure to talk to you, pleasure to meet you. Uh, and uh, just a pleasure to hear about your work as a father with all pro dad and your I guess how physical fitness is at the forefront of your life as well, because you want to you want to not only see eighty. Let's go for a hundred. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. We we'll have a party. <laughs> I want you to be there now. I'll be there. I'll be right there with you. Let's I'm not going to wait three hundred either. <laughs> let's do it, man. <laughs> Hi, this is Jenny Anchando from Fox 4 Dallas, and now back to the Adam Ritz Show. Okay, the show continues. We're rolling on in Tyler, Texas at the University of Texas at Tyler with assistant soccer coach of the women's team. It is Erica. Hi, Erica. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing really fantastic and uh, even even better now that I've learned about this uh, uh, service project that your players do um, called Team Impact. Is that right, Team Impact? That is correct, yes. And uh, it's really cool. You've sort of uh, adopted a, um, a child uh, terminally ill with uh, some sort of cancer. Uh, please explain how this works and how you got involved with this, how your players and really the student-athletes got involved with Team Impact. Absolutely. Well, it was about a month and a half ago, I would say, Team Impact actually contacted my boss, Coach Webb, and asked if we'd be interested in just embracing this little girl onto our team. And she's an eight-year-old. Her name is Emma Ralph. And she was diagnosed when she was three years old with Fanconi anemia, which is a bone marrow disorder. And since she was diagnosed, she's undergone bone marrow transplant transplants, chemotherapy. Um, she constantly is traveling back and forth to Boston where they do her Fanconi anemia research. And she is just the most fun, full of life, happy-go-lucky, spunky little girl that we have ever met. And uh, she really has just been a joy and a light to our team since we've gotten to know her. And um, 
she is just that. She's a member of our team, and she comes to practices. She comes to team events, and um, we look forward to having her on our roster for next season for the first time. That is cool, and you know, I've got—I'm no doctor, but that—I've never heard those words before in my life. What is her disease called again? Fanconi anemia. My goodness, some sort of a bone disease. That's correct. Um, now, okay, so the genesis of Team Impact is uh, fairly simple. We're uh, player um, student athletes at the University of Texas at Tyler, and we want to we want to get involved with our community and and help out um, w with a child with cancer. Okay, that's a great idea. How do we do it? How how'd you meet her? Was there were there candidates? How did she get involved? How'd you get connected to her? I guess is what I'm asking. We were actually contacted, we were really blessed, we were contacted by Team Impact and they oh, okay. asked if we wanted to take this girl onto our roster and we were thrilled by the opportunity. Ah, um, I get it. Okay, so Team Impact is, I'm going to guess, a national initiative that absolutely. works with student athletes across the country. That's correct. And okay. they actually, once they found us, we were one of the first teams in our area. Uh, and since we took on Emma, our volleyball team has then taken on Becca, which you um, met, I guess, earlier. Yeah. Okay. So team impact. Again, I'm a, a communications uh, major, so I can put the one plus one equals two. So uh, teamimpact.org is what I'm going to guess. I would say that's probably right. I would say right. that's got to yeah, be right. And, about right. <laughs> and if I'm wrong, then uh, please, we encourage our listeners to Google Team Impact. And uh, what about a more specific Google search for, can we learn more about um, her and Team Impact with your team here at University of Texas, Tyler? Absolutely. Our little teammate, Emma, has a Facebook page as well called Prayers for Emma, which has thousands and thousands of fo followers. She's gotten to do some amazing things. Um, she got to meet... Um, Taylor Swift and go to her concert oh, cool. and she's done all kinds of fun things and she really is a Facebook sensation so I encourage you to check her out there because she has a lot of uh, encouraging and uplifting words and pictures and things that just could inspire you to live every day to its, to its fullest. And that's prayers for Emma on Facebook. That's correct. Okay Erica assistant coach at uh, UT Tyler with the uh, female soccer team, women's soccer. Um, you also played soccer at the University of Texas in Austin. Tell us about your college career. I did. I played my four years there from 07 to 11, and it was a great time. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I am just glad I can give back to the game as a coach now that my, my career is over from a playing perspective. And, yeah, it's a, it's a great sport, and I wasn't ready to leave it just yet. Well, I've got to ask you, uh, we do a lot of work with professional athletes and student athletes about personal responsibility, alcohol, drugs, and how it can affect your life. Uh, and I've got to believe, I'm certainly not um, um, convicting you of, of being an alcoholic mm -hmm. or accusing you of being a, a drunk party girl. I'm not at all. But what I am uh, bringing up is that the University of Texas in Austin is a party school. It is a huge party school. How, uh, how did that affect, I guess, your daily regime or how you approached your student athletics or, or just being a normal student on campus? Was it difficult to juggle that? Was, uh, was it a problem for some of your teammates or other people on campus? I don't know exactly how much you want to get into this, but uh, that is definitely some research we can do at the University of Texas in Austin that you have firsthand experience. Um, Yes, definitely. <laughs> Alcohol was a, was a big part of college life. Um, you might think I'm a liar, but actually I don't drink alcohol, so I was one of the minorities. It's actually kind of dubbed a joke that I was the best 
Dee Dee and all of our team. And I was kind of our team mom, but it definitely <laughs> did play a huge impact. It definitely, um, you know, affected some of my teammates, some more than others. But I was just really blessed that, you know, I was very focused and determined in my schoolwork and in my in my soccer and um my heart kind of steered away from it, but it definitely is a is a forthcoming issue that one that needs to be addressed, and that's why I think this presentation was so great for our student athletes to hear because you do feel like it can't happen to you, and it can. So, um, yeah. Well, it's inspirational that, uh, and it's a great lesson for everybody to learn that if you don't drink in college, you're the designated driver like Erica was. Uh, you can move on at a young age and become a, an assistant coach at a university, get involved with Team Impact, help the community, and do great things for the rest of America the way Erica is. Thank you so much for joining us on the program. Before I let you go, I want to have a little bit of fun with you. South by Southwest, the big music festival in Austin. Uh, have you been? Which, you've had to have gone to that. You're, you haven't gone to that? I actually did not go to South By, but... You really were <laughs> a great student-athlete student at that campus if you didn't go to that. I was a very focused student-athlete. Okay. Yes. Well, then, I've never been either, so, so maybe that's one of our goals before we leave this earth. One of us is going to have to go to South By Southwest. That sounds like a deal because I've heard it's, one, it's a great party. So. <laughs> All right, Erica, uh, thanks again for your time. Best of luck here at the University of Texas, Tyler. Thank you very much. It was nice to meet you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on the Adam Ritz Show. Another uh, great time. Thank you to our guests from the AFLV convention, Wesley from Arizona State and Nate from the University of Idaho, sharing their philanthropy and community service stories with us from their home campuses when we broadcasted live out in San Diego at the AFLV conference. And Justin Fuente, our feature interview, the head coach of Memphis Tigers football, sharing the four pillars and what it takes to be a high-character Tiger with the University of Memphis football team. Justin Fuente, thank you so much. Great stuff as always. More information at adamritzshow.com. Join us on Twitter, at Adam Ritz, and we will see you next week. Thank you. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.